Welcome to the Real Immunity Podcast, where we'll dig deeper into the concepts from the Real Immunity film series. Learn more at realimmunity.org. Dr. Harry Vanderzee came to speak at a conference in 2015, I believe, and then a few years later, um, I met him in Europe where he was speaking at a conference and he's also in the Real Immunity film series. So uh, Harry is filled with some really lovely wisdom and I'm thrilled to have him here today for an interview. So thank you for being here, Harry. Well, thank you, Silla, for having me here. It's a wonderful opportunity to share a bit about the kind of work that we're involved in here. So thank you for that. That's great. So I, a couple things I want you, you know, many people have commented in the film, you, you talked about homeopathy is love because of like treating like and similarities. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I'd like you to expand a little bit on that and tell me your experience, your feelings, your speculations about that. Mm. Um, well, as you know, the basis of homeopathy is, is like cures like, right? uh, as opposed to what basically um, school medicine is based on, right? where you have an antibiotic or a painkiller, or you know, so you're opposing what is. With homeopathy, we're not opposing what is, we're acknowledging what is. And you could say that love is is the power of of unifying whereas working with opposites and the good and the bad and the, the cold and the and the hot and and all those opposites um, are basically mind-based whereas as love is heart-based uh, there's a beautiful quote by anisa kadata who says something like uh, the mind is the abyss and love is the bridge um, and so from what I've come to understand is that in homeopathy, where you simply acknowledge what is in the person that you're dealing with, where we see that symptoms are a sign of health because it's the organism that's trying to overcome a situation, where we can see that diseases as such are a sign of health and can be a teacher for us uh, on an individual level or like with epidemic diseases also on a more collective level. So as long as we're opposing what is, we fight it, we try to suppress it, then whatever reason is behind its appearance is not being dealt with. So it will come back, will come back, will come back and sometimes come back in a more painful way, uh, inducing more suffering instead of less. Whereas in homeopathy, that's why I, I tend to call the, the law of similars like loving what is. Um, it's just acknowledging what is. And then there is this paradox that once you acknowledge what is, it can change. Whereas as long as you fight it, it just keeps coming back to you. Yeah. Right. How would you apply that to the current pandemic, what we've experienced? Can, do you have any 
thoughts about the application of that principle? Well, I mean, you see very strongly that we are fighting it. Right? So the whole idea of fighting something, uh, I mean, we, we know that this now for a long, long time with other epidemics as well, as long as you're fighting it, either through vaccinations or through, through uh, medicines that are just suppressing it, uh, or, or even by suppressing the population by not allowing its, its natural freedom, um, you're not allowing the epidemic or the pandemic to kind of bring about the kind of change that is actually trying to bring about. Um, and you can, you can analyze uh, the effect of a pandemic on the world, what is happening, what's going on um, in different ways. And that, that may already give you an, an idea of like, what is actually, what is it actually bringing about? Right. What is it pointing at? Uh, what is it laying bare in humanity? Right? The whole issue like truth and, and parallel universes of truth, or how, how do they call it? Uh, alternative truth, or um, all these kind of things are coming to light now. Right. Um, also, one thing I think is, a, is a, uh, I wouldn't say it's an intended effect of it, but it's happening. Uh, that we become more aware of vaccinations and um, besides the good effects they can have, there are also side effects and we need to kind of look at, at how to balance these. Uh, I'm not, not vehement against or for anything, um, but let's look in an open way. Being more aware, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you so feel like these are the things that are, it's come to teach us. Well, that's what I've come to uh, kind of understand that uh, diseases are teachers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And also in, uh, with the remedies that we're using and the diseases we are addressing in Africa, um, we've asked someone to make some shamanic journeys to kind of communicate uh, with those entities, those microorganisms, what are you about? Um, and then you get, get beautiful response and insight into what these diseases are actually about. And what um, are you learning from, from that in Africa? Well, um, if the main one that we are dealing with is malaria. And although our work started with HIV AIDS, um, and of course that is still one of the major conditions in Africa. And actually just recently there was a report coming out that it's not improving. There's still as many people getting infected. There's still as many people dying from it. Um, and the main one is, is malaria. With malaria, what we've come to see is that it is a, a disease that has a lot to do with what we would call the individuation process, where there is a tension between the individual and the collective that it is being part of. So you, you find malaria more in tribal cultures, you could say, and going in and out of the tribe. Uh, so it's, and it's like a womb, I already mentioned birth, or that was perhaps before you started recording, I, I don't know. But anyway, with, with uh, birth, um, you can say the womb is a very safe environment, but there is a moment that you have to get out of it. 
Um, and that process can be stressful and painful and, and struggling and right. asking a lot of both. And there can be even like a mother and child causing each other pain. And um, um, so malaria has a lot to do with that, with that process of going from a safe, but ultimately also restrictive environment to me as an individual, choosing my own path in life, developing what I'd like to develop. So that is that is just one way of looking at it. Yeah, that's huge. And we, yeah, that's and huge. that we go through that when we're two, when we're born, right? When we're two and we become aware that we're separate from our mother. And again, yes. during teen years, when it's, you know, kids start expressing, I'm me, not you. So they're against things they've yeah. been taught. Yeah. Now we go through it again and again. And like, like AIDS, the disease that we started with, um, what I've come to understand is AIDS is actually a, uh, an enormous teacher of love, you could say. Um, AIDS, I mean, we call it an epidemic, but is a very simple disease in a way, meaning that um, if all those people that are infected or are not sure whether they are infected and, and test whether they are, uh, just make sure they don't infect each other. And there are very simple ways of doing that. It stops, it's the end of it. Huh? Because you can hug people, you can kiss them, you can shake hands with them. You can share a meal with them. You can go to the same bathroom. It's through sexual intercourse that you can infect each other. And when you protect yourself, you don't. And so sexuality is an expression of a form of relationship. And if that relationship is based on uh, love and care and respect to each other, um, AIDS will not have any chance of, of getting any further. It would stop there. And so that's what I've come to understand about AIDS. It's a teacher that has to, to do with that, with those um, aspects of, of our human being. Um, I already witnessed that like in the 80s when we got the first cases in, in Holland also, which were uh, very different from Africa, where it's a heterosexual epidemic, you could say, and, and in Holland and like in the US, it was more in the gay community. Uh, but I would see that, uh, that some of the people that I met um, were not respecting boundaries in the other, and in that way got infected or didn't respect their own boundaries, which is the same. Yeah. Right. That's fascinating. And so malaria is your focus right now in Africa. It's the main focus. It's right. the main focus. Although since since the, the pandemic with, with COVID, we've combined that. Um, so everyone who gets malaria protection, prevention um, through our projects also gets COVID uh, prevention. And what are you using prophylactically there? Uh, we are using what we call PC remedies or oh. source resonances. Um, so those are a specific type of disease specific resonances uh, or remedies um, that 
I've come to understand really go to the core of what a certain disease is about. Um, so any lesson, if you like, that a disease wants to, to bring across to humanity can be brought across by a remedy. And like in homeopathy, we know the same. Right. Uh, if, you, if you bring the information, the true meaning of the disease, if you, if you make someone aware of that through a remedy, then the disease is, is no longer a function. It can just drop right. away. It's a message so, that needs to be heard. Yeah. And so that's, and that's in, in our practices, that's what we see on an individual level. Uh, but with, with an epidemic, like with malaria, it's a collective issue. Uh, so you need to address the collective issue that is connected to, like in this case, malaria. Um, and then you need to see what happens in the collective. Um, and for that, we have found a very simple way of, and a very practical way also of what is it doing in reality? Mm -hmm. um, so AIDS, of, uh, sorry, malaria is uh, mostly dangerous for young children. So we are focused mostly on preventing children with malaria. Um, and this year, we may be close to reaching 1 million for the first time. Uh, last year, we were close to half a million and we're already on or about on half a million now after two quarters. So, And so what we do is we basically do it through schools. And so when you have an area where there is a lot of malaria, um, due to malaria, you, you see a lot of absenteeism in school. Um, and we've, we've analyzed several schools and what we could see is that there were schools that had like 25 or even top, up to 30 in one school, I remember, 40% absenteeism on average. So let's say, let's take the 25. If 25% of the kids are absent, that means that a child on average is missing out on one quarter of its school time. And in the other three quarters, it is still recovering right? because having malaria is very depleting for the system. You're very tired. You have to recover again and up till the next bout comes. Right. Yeah. So what we see is that when we start with malaria prevention at a school, we see the absenteeism going down from 25% to, let's say, a normal 2% in a matter of weeks. Wow. And it remains that way after one year, after two years, after five years. And we're doing this now for almost a decade. Um, in the meantime, what you see is that the school results go up. And there are schools where malaria was so prevalent that kids were performing so badly at school that on the state exams, and that's also a wonderful tool for us because that's an objective measurement of how kids are doing in their learning. Um, with these state exams, if they are below a certain level, they can't go to secondary school. Uh, and so there were schools where not a single kid moved on to secondary school. They do the program for one or two years, they all go to secondary school. So, and there you see that it is really changing the future for these kids. And because if you have to drop out of school at the age of 12 and you just start working in the field, then that's what you do. And 
Right. And you, you get a husband and you get your kids and that's the rest of your life. Whereas perhaps something else that might be there for you um, now becomes possible when you go to secondary school and perhaps other education after that. Right, and you have these two tools to measure the testing yeah. and also yeah. the absenteeism that, that give you a good gauge to know that you're having great success. Yeah, and it's, it's so easy for us to do that kind of research. Um, it costs nothing. The research costs nothing because the schools are having their exam results anyway. They have the, their absenteeism reports anyway. So all we need to pay for is the malaria prevention for a child throughout the year, which costs around 10 cents per kid per year, which is not so much. But if you treat a million kids, you still need $100,000. Uh, and if you want to treat 2 million or 10 million or 200 million, all of them, right. uh, we would need a little bit more. Well, I love how you've illustrated that double-blind placebo-controlled studies are not the only way. I mean, this is a graphic illustration that there are many ways to do research that are valid. Yeah, yeah very simple, very simple. Or, and it can also be anecdotal, but telling me enough. Like if there is a school that sends out every day four to 10 children to a hospital, they fall ill in class, go to a hospital, they get their treatment there. Then if six, after six months of this pro program, the hospital director comes to the school and says, we haven't seen a single child now for six months. What's going on? Are you sending them somewhere else? Right. And the school says, no, they're no longer falling ill. And if someone falls ill a little bit, we just give an extra dose of the remedy and they sit under the tree for half an hour and then they come back to classes. That's so amazing. And, I mean, each time I'm there is uh, jaw dropping, you know, it's like, right. really? Is right. this, uh, and what, what is the regular treatment at the hospital, Harry? What do they do for malaria? They usually give a drip or, or oral medication. Um, which is working, uh, but also with, with malaria, you see that, that and there's therapy resistance happening. Uh, so they need to develop new drugs, uh, stronger ones, different ones. Um, right. And it it's, uh, costs a lot of money for the, uh, the parents. Um, there is not a system in place in Africa where the com community takes care of that. Uh, so you have to pay. Um, right. And uh, so, and that's usually it would mean like they don't have the money, so they contact all their friends and, and family, and everyone chips in a little bit. And this happens all, each and every day a funeral here, school money there, hospitalization there. It goes from, from one to the other. Right. Now, I know you have a volunteer program, right? So people can volunteer their time and go work with this. Yes, yeah. Well, we, we work basically with African volunteers. Um, so there are, I, I've stopped counting, but let's say there are about 600 African volunteers in different, different African countries who are doing this on a regular basis. And, and that's how they can reach so many people. And as they're all volunteers, they can do it for very little money. 
Right. Uh, we, we provide sometimes a little bit for tra travel or for airtime or things like that. And of course, we send them the remedies so they can, can provide those. Right. And you're training and then, them? You're sending volunteers in to train them? Yes. Yeah. And by now, in several countries, they are so experienced that the trainees have become trainers. And so more and more, it becomes independent of us, although we're still supporting it. Uh, with remedies, of course, and 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 with uh, financial help, uh, but basically the teams can just continue. Like with COVID, we were not able to go to Africa for two years, and despite COVID, they just kept doubling the number of people that they were treating each and every year. So, so this is interesting because this really mirrors the individuation process that you mentioned earlier where at first they're very dependent upon you for the training, the support, the encouragement, and slowly they're gaining their independence to be able to carry on the program yes. themselves. Yeah. Yeah. You, so. can, you can also see the malaria miasm, as we call it, and so the imprint of a disease on the collective, um, very much in all the aid programs that we've seen in the past, let's say five, six decades. Um, People, organizations going to Africa with wonderful plans and coming back very frustrating because nothing works. And that is so typical of malaria. It's already Hahnemann who, who looked at China officinalis as the first homeopathic remedies. And you have two sides of the remedy. One side is being full of plans. And interestingly, those plans are basically at night in the dark, so they, they don't manifest yet. So people have being full of plans and the day spending with a lot of frustration and feeling hindered and all of that. And that's basically what's been going on with aid organizations in Africa also. We have a plan, we think we know how to do it for you. If you just change, basically, if you do like we do, everything will be right and it doesn't work. Right. Have you had any impediments to rolling out this malaria plan or getting people in the country or, or, or have you had any um, support from other national organizations or what does that look like? The, the support we get is basically from individuals that um, like homeopathic friends um, also in, internationally and like there are some people from the US who are supporting us in a beautiful way. Um, so it's it's people that that feel um, close to, to this kind of work and uh, that are already kind of convinced of homeopathy as a beautiful tool that can be used and, and they like to support what we do. Um, and I mean, our, our overhead is, I don't know, it's like two or 3%, it's nothing. So we're very cost effective. Uh, you can reach almost a million people with a budget of this year, like probably 60,000. Um, that is very cost effective. Right, um, that's amazing. Tell, tell people how, where they can go to donate and support this project. Um, we have our website, uh, arhf.nl, um, where you can find the donate. Uh, button with instructions how to donate and for US people there's also a possibility to donate via a US 
based organization so people can also donate tax exempt nice nice and we'll have that in the show notes so people can see that and go there yeah great so such a great program and and i support you 100 i hope people listen and go and donate and and support this wonderful program in closing i, I want to ask your opinion harry about where you think the world is going with what's going on. I mean, it's intense. And I think what we discussed prior to I uh, started, when I started recording was how we're in labor, you know, and we are birthing mm -hmm. a new humanity and it's painful, yeah. confusing, chaotic, yeah. yes. but ultimately we're going to see something better. What do you yeah. have any thoughts or ideas about what's going on and what we're going to see where this is going? I'd love to hear. Yeah. I have no idea how it will happen, uh, but it can only go one direction. We can all only go back home, basically. And if you go back to the, the metaphor of birth, um, initially, before birth, there's a, a, un, a unity between mother and child, which is beyond like being two. There is just not the division even, there's just oneness. Uh, oneness beyond like a one plus another one. Right. Um, then with labor, there is the awareness of like there's one and the other. And at some point, they kind of hurt each other. And then at some point, point they kind of together work towards a goal, uh, being born. And once seeing the light, once being born, there is this coming back. Yeah, like what is also being called, called the good womb or the good, uh, the good womb being replaced by the good breast. Yeah, right. Mother and child become one again. And I think for our journey as a human being, having gone through this delusion of being in a, a separate entity and there is a God somewhere, but not clearly not here, but somewhere, and to realize that we've never departed that unity. And that is basically even who we are. That can be the only outcome for anyone because it's, it's the one reality. We can wonder about <laughs> timelessly and, and feel lost, but basically that is our true reality. And, and for all of us, to acknowledge at some point and hopefully soon. So if we can stay focused on that and disregard the details, don't get flustered by the details, just keep focused on, on that, yeah. that we're moving to in that direction to that unity. Yeah. Yeah, and don't, don't fight too much what is going on. Uh, even sometimes we feel we're really fighting the good fight. Right. Uh, but if fighting means resisting something, then we might be just kind of replaying the same game. But perhaps from a perspective that we ourselves feel superior to that of the other, but that is basically still division. Right, that's erroneous. We yeah. need to be in concert. We need to be, you know, with microbes, with disease, just accept and recognize. Yeah. 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 And this is what you know, homeopathy does, this is what homeoprophylaxis does by familiarizing people with microbes prior to mm -hmm. encountering them, 
the PC yeah. remedies, all of it. It's just all frequency. It's all a lovely frequency that we need to acknowledge and be one with. So, yeah, and as I see it, it's is the basic purpose of homeopathy is to drop what you're not. And when we really drop everything we're not, what remains, we have no words for that. But that is what I would say is our true nature or something like that. Right, that's lovely. Yeah. In homeopathy, we sometimes say, and this is a positive or that is a lycopodium or whatever. No, basically that is what they're not. And by giving the remedy, you help them drop it. Right, right. So they recognize the characteristics of that particular remedy in order to come back to their humanness. Yeah. And yeah. let go of that state, we call it, in homeopathy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, it's lovely. Well, this has been a great opportunity to hear all about the Malaria Project and hear your musings about what's going on and this, this concept that disease is here to teach us something. And I think that that is so important to embrace and mm -hmm. remember and let go of the fight, let go yeah. of the struggle. Yeah. Because yeah. as in labor, when you struggle and resist, it just makes it more difficult. So yeah. That's true. Do you have anything you want to say in closing? No, just thank you very much for the opportunity. Very nice to see you again after quite a number of years. I've been following what you're doing because you're sending out regular newsletters and uh, wonderful what you, the kind of service you're providing to so many people. And I hope many will benefit from it. Well, thank you, Harry. It's wonderful to have you here and I wish you the very best in Africa and hopefully our paths will cross in person sometime soon. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, my dear. Okay. Stay well. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. You can go to realimmunity.org to learn more about health, homeopathy, and homeoprophylaxis, and to watch the Real Immunity film series. Thank you.